Hello, sleepless listeners. David Cummings here. Welcome to Season 17 of the No Sleep Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us. If you're hearing this, it means you have successfully become a Season Pass 17 member. It's always exciting when a season falls during the Halloween and Christmas seasons. Many delightfully dark tales ahead. Season Pass 17 is once again hosted on the Glow system. And even though Glow should be as trouble-free as possible, there may be reasons for you to reach out about support issues for your Season Pass. There are two ways you can go. If your problem is related directly to the purchase or playing of your Season Pass on an app, you can contact the Glow support team directly at hello at glow.fm. They have a great support team and they'll be able to help you quickly with any technical or payment issues. And if you need to contact us at the podcast, you can always reach us at admin at thenosleeppodcast.com. And as I always say, please don't contact us via social media, because we're not set up to handle support issues that way. Now, when we start a new season, and a new season pass, we like to offer up a little story to get your season pass off to a creepy start. Sometimes it's just a standalone spooky tale, and sometimes it's... Well, let's just say that this time I have an audio recording which I think will allow you to better understand what Season 17 will... will feel like. Yes, I said feel. I'm not sure I should say much more. Other than to thank you for supporting what we do, to tell you how much we appreciate you being a Season Pass member, and to play this file for you. And I'm sure this goes without saying since you're a Season Pass member, but it's kind of my thing. So please enjoy Season 17, and most important of all, brace yourself. Take a seat. Take a seat. There we go. Sorry. (laughs) It's a bit low. I should ask Tobias to craft a new one sometime. Now he's back. He's... Yes, that's right. The young soldier. (laughs) You both arrived in together, yes. Right. Ah, yes. So, So I understand that you wanted to interview me. Who do you work for again? Sorry, my memory isn't quite what it used to be. When you hit 50, you know. (laughs) Ah, yes, yes, that's it. I'm still rather fond of the wireless myself. Radio dramas and the like. I confess I have a soft spot for the spooky ones. You know, uh, lights out, uh, suspense, that sort of thing. No? I suppose you may be a little young. (laughs) But yes, yes, interview. So this device, this device you have, will will film me? Remarkable. It looks nothing like the movie cameras I've seen. It's so small. It makes me feel like we're in the, the 2060s, not the 1960s. Okay. Okay, so we're recording now. I am briefed and ready on how to proceed. Being the mayor of Gold Meadow, well, as I'm sure you know, we've had our ups and downs. There's been 
Well, I suppose these last few years have been hard. Vietnam, Kennedy, the draft. Yes, yes, it was decreed that the men of Gold Meadow were exempt from mandatory service. That was a huge relief as mayor. Tobias, he... Uh, he felt strongly. He enlisted. And blessed be, he came back to us. So no Gold Meadow casualties from that awful, awful conflict going on. It's been twelve years now. It must be at an end soon, right? But, uh, more locally, closer to home. Yes, there have been challenges taking over from my father a decade ago. Gold Meadow is... Well, it is what it is, isn't it? You must know it's an unusual little village, or I doubt you'd be here interviewing me for your... Uh, what, what show was it again? Oh, I'll, I'll catch up soon enough. Yes. Yes, that's the crux of it, really. We're famous for our festivals. Yes, six of them. And yes, we limit the number of outsiders who can attend or even enter the village during some of these festivals. Naturally, that's... Well, that's led to some pretty wacko rumors growing over the years. Thankfully, we've managed to stay relatively under the radar for many, many decades until... Yes, I imagine that's what you're really here to talk about, isn't it? I thought so. Can I just... Can I just have a minute? I need to get my thoughts straight and, and work out what we're... I've been asked to provide a little backstory. Here at Gold Meadow, we pride ourselves on keeping alive certain ancient traditions of celebration and thanksgiving. This takes the form of nine festivals throughout the year. Some are small and understated, with the festivities only lasting a single day. Others may involve two or three days of uh, partying, I suppose you could say. But it's all very wholesome. Our longest festival is five days long, and that's our next festival. It spans what modern America calls Halloween, although it's a very different festival to that. This is... This is one of our more sacred festivals, so if you don't mind, I'll keep the details to myself. But I imagine your listeners... Viewers, sorry. I imagine they'll all be more than aware of what Halloween represents to the average modern American Christian. But, but let's pretend that not everyone knows, and I'll summarize it thusly. Halloween is a holiday in which the dead are remembered, celebrated, and put at peace. And in these strange modern times, that involves dressing up in colorful costumes and getting candy from strangers. A ritual that I highly respect, I might add. We have a festival in Gold Meadow to welcome the winter. 
This one spans the last three days of October and the first two days of November, and it is very different to mainstream Halloween. Very private and very beautiful. Our festival that closest resembles Halloween is in May, in fact. But you're not here to talk about any of these, are you? Nor, I'm sure, do you want to hear about our Nothing Day Festival in February designed to honor and pay tribute to familial ancestors. Or our much more public December Festival, which was called Quaint Country Christmas by one reporter from a nearby big city. <laughs> we still use that name colloquially to this day. And I don't suppose you're really interested in any of the other three single-day festivals that celebrate the arrival of a new season, are you? I can't blame you there. Even us Gold Meadow natives have let those fall to the wayside in favor of the Big Six. You want to hear about the Harvest Festival, don't you? You want to hear about last year's Harvest Festival in particular? I don't know why I agreed to talk about this, but I'm a man of my word. It's early September here. That's when we hold our harvest festival. That's when our main crop is ready to harvest. Corn. Yes, corn. We've always harvested our corn our own way. I've heard some terrible, terrible stories about more modern methods. By modern, I mean from this century, the 20th, yes. I've heard talk of a corn silo so vast and tall that men could be dragged into it and drowned in the corn without ever touching the bottom. And they did. They drowned that way. So we do it different. The how doesn't matter, unless you want hours of farming discussion. No, no, I thought not. The important thing to know is that after the harvesting, we package and store the product in those large barns you'll have seen on the outskirts of town. And then, when that's done, we have a harvest festival to celebrate. It's a typical affair, really. Anyone who wants to attend gathers in and around the central gazebo. Yes, the huge open building in the center of the village. It's a bit unique, a pride of this place, I'd say. Something that puts us on the map, for better or worse. Are you sure you wouldn't rather talk about our village hall? <laughs> no, of course not. It's the swinging sixties, after all. You young folk are a lot more into the macabre. Well, who can blame you, after all? You only need to listen to the news these days to hear about the horrors the commies keep piling onto us. Piles. Piles of product in our warehouses. That's how the harvest ends, and how they sit until the festival's underway. And then the designated member of the community... Uh, you have to understand, all these roles and rituals have names, but I'm explaining things as simply as possible here. So if it doesn't sound very exciting, I promise you that it is. Well, in good ways, anyway. 
Last year, things were... Oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting flustered and old. So we all have a buffet comprised of many courses. And after the third course, always then, the courier will leave the feast and head to the warehouse, whereupon he'll collect a single one of the prepared bales of product, and then he'll return to the festival hall. He'll walk up onto the stage, where I sit at a table with the VIP guests each year, and the courier will throw the first bale onto the floor in front of the table. This is the virgin bale, the first bale of the harvest. When it hits the floorboards, I stand and lead the crowd in thanksgiving applause. Then, and I know this will sound strange, then we toss the virgin bale into a large sacrificial bowl and we burn it. <laughs> yes, yes, it does sound like sacrificing a virgin, but I promise you, the roots of the ritual are nowhere near that dark. I would explain them, but that's not what you want to hear about, is it? You want to hear about last year's courier and what happened to him. And I imagine you want to hear about the culprit. Our celebrations are always, well, punctual to say the least. So when the courier was late with the bail, it was unprecedented. Five minutes? Well, that's concerning. Ten minutes? No, something had definitely happened. And, yes, while this was unprecedented, we still have protocols in place. If the duly appointed rule-bearer is unable to complete their task, then it falls to the mayor to ensure the rituals are completed. Anyway, as far as you're concerned, what this means is that I had to leave the feast and head out to the warehouses myself to, to see what was up. Since I had no idea of the cause of our courier's delay, I took two of the strongest, most able lads with me. Tradition is important, but so is safety, after all. It was immediately clear which of the warehouses our courier had settled upon from which to retrieve the bail. The door was ajar, which is vastly against protocol in itself, and as we drew closer we could see small yet visible streaks of blood on the ground leading into the warehouse. The lads with me went in first. They even suggested I hang back, but I was having none of that. The overhead lights in the warehouse are huge, creaky strip lights that take quite a time to warm up and fire into life. The lights are necessary as the storage warehouses have no windows in order to keep the product as protected as possible. In the time it took for the lights to illuminate the warehouse, we were already able to smell it. That smell lingering in the darkness. It was death and all of the unpleasantness that comes with that. But something else, too. Something that the boys with me didn't recognize, but I did. 
When the lights came on and I saw our courier strewn dead across the ground, I wasn't surprised. I say strewn because, well, he wasn't in one piece. He was in quite a number of pieces, in fact. Both of the lads with me, strong, tough men in their twenties, fled the warehouse, struggling to hold on to their meals. And you've heard the rest. Our investigation uncovered that a drifter had snuck into town unseen and, finding himself alone, killed our courier. Thankfully, we discovered him hiding in the back of the warehouse. County law enforcement came to take him away, hoping to get answers, but they were still in the cruiser when the man managed to chew off his own tongue, bleeding out on the back seat before the officers even noticed that anything was wrong. Tragic. We'll never have any answers as to why. You look disappointed, though. This isn't the revelatory insight you thought you were going to get when you finally cajoled me into an interview, is it? No. Oh, no, I suppose it isn't. So, here's the truth. The drifter was involved, but he didn't kill our courier. In fact, he was the only survivor of the five-man massacre that went down in the warehouse that day. Our courier, the ungrateful bastard who'd been given the honor of this role and instead used it as an excuse to call in his outsider buddies who, while knowing that the entire rest of the town would be distracted with the feast, planned to steal a significant amount of our product. Yes, yes, I suppose it is confusing why it would be worth going to this amount of trouble to steal bales of corn. But I think we'd be doing your intelligence a disservice if we continued pretending that you believe it's corn that gets stored in those warehouses. So, there we go. A true crime scandal that reveals at least one of the many secrets Gold Meadow has been hiding from the world for decades. And you've gotten the exclusive. Well done. Who killed the courier and the other thieves? You still want to know that, too? I suppose I can't blame you for asking, but I can't just reveal that. I'm sorry. This is all you're getting for now. Besides, who knows? You may find the answer as to what killed those men on your way out of town. I've heard you're a very promising reporter, after all. If anyone can uncover the truth, it's you. Dorian. This audio-visual recording was found in the office of former Mayor Thomas Crombie during the infamous and tragic excursion into the abandoned town of Gold Meadow in 2017. It appears to have been recorded in September 1967, the year the entire town disappeared.